Hi there, you're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Hi there. Today's episode is a conversation between myself and AC Bergen Fisher, the formerly estranged adult child who co-hosts with me once per month. And we, as normal, talk about a whole host of different topics regarding estrangement. So I hope that you find nuggets of wisdom within the topics that we shared today, of which we discuss abandonment, trauma responses, redefining relationships, uh, the word toxic, and the unspoken rules of, of relationship. And as a reminder, we have the Facebook group that will be starting for estranged parents and estranged adult children, although not from the same family. If you are interested in that, there is an application process and uh, you can email me at theestrangedheart at gmail.com for additional information regarding that. Currently, we have a few estranged parents who are interested in that and we are looking for estranged adult children. Again, this will be a heavily moderated group, and it is strictly for those who are deeply interested in introspection, digging in and doing work on self, and while also learning and growing by looking at things from a different perspective. So if that is something that is of interest to you, you feel like you fit that that description, then we would love to have you join our group. Also, as a side note, the group coaching that was to begin through my own coaching services uh, for estranged moms will begin the first week in August. It was delayed by two weeks uh, due due to some unforeseen circumstances. So I will be reaching out to those who are on the wait list for that, uh, and you will be receiving information on next steps for that. So enjoy today's episode. So what, I mean, do you want to start today with anything in particular or do you like. I'm open to like pretty much anything. Like I'm not leaning towards or away from any one topic. There's been a lot of things popping up for me. So I mean, why don't you, why don't you bring something up? Well, you know, that, that, that abandonment component, I mean, that's one I find kind of interesting and, um, I I don't want to like disrespect anybody by saying like, I find it frustrating, but I mean, that's the honest truth is I do find it Mm -hmm. frustrating that like any of the estranged parents would feel that their adult children have abandoned them because I, I almost feel like in in hearing that a parent has expressed something like that, maybe it's just like attacking an insecurity of mine, but I almost feel like it's accusatory in a sense, you know, like 
one of those like how dare you take some space kind of scenarios is how I that that's my knee-jerk reaction mm-hmm. I can spend some time and intellectually unpack it and land in a softer place but like right off the cuff it's like my first res- response to that abandonment component is just to jump straight onto the defensive I don't know if that is fair but that's where I go like and I'm almost wondering if you could explain like from a parent's perspective like how that whole idea of being abandoned or feeling abandoned plays in because I, I really don't understand well i think I, I and i'll speak from my perspective as and some of the the moms that i've worked with i think as a parent there's this underlying belief I don't know, maybe for some an expectation, maybe, maybe that was the case for me. I haven't really, this is also something I haven't unpacked fully. So that might be what this episode is about. (laughs) Um, But I think there's, there is this underlying belief that when you have children, you know, I've talked on the podcast before that I've said all, you know, every people are going to leave your life lovers, friends, your parents, people are going, you know, this people are, are not going to always be in your life, but there's this belief that your children will by the mere fact that you're the parent and they're they're the kids that they, they will remain with you. And when I say with you on some level in your life, always. I don't, when, when my girls first estranged from me, I didn't look at it necessarily as abandonment more than I looked at it as rejection. Hmm. And that rejection then felt like a form of abandonment, if you will, Um, that they just wanted nothing to do with me. There wasn't this mom, I need time. I'm going to take some time. I don't know how long it's going to be three months, six months, six years. I don't know, but know that I do want to have a relationship with you, but right now I can't, there wasn't that conversation. So the conversation that, that was there was, I'm not letting you do to my kids, what you did to me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want anything to do with you. So there was no, I I understand that this is a, I'm in a difficult place right now, mom. And I just, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm going to take some space. Know that eventually my end goal is to, is to reconcile. So there was this feeling of, I'm not good enough. I'm not what you need, want, et cetera. And then they just exited my life. And what does one do with that? When you feel like that person is always going to be there. And that's what I hear from moms. That's what I hear, hear a lot. I do know there was a significant amount of my own personal work that I had to work through to be able to get beyond that. 
and that had to deal with my own abandonment issues from childhood and things like that when i got when i worked through those personal issues from childhood my own childhood then i was better able to see the perspective of oh maybe they they're not they haven't left forever maybe they will be back like there was this it went from absolute 100% they want nothing to do with me ever again and i'm always on my own from moving forward right to hmm maybe maybe it's not 100% across the board maybe there is some some kind of hope or some way to to be able to fix this and reconcile and move forward i don't know if that sheds any light on it from for you or not it it does from a couple different angles. I mean, first and foremost, when you describe your initial reaction to your 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 daughter estranging from you, mm -hmm. my my first thought to that was like it it sounds like a gross overreaction on your part. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're blowing things like horribly out of proportion. But then when you 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 came around and said, look. You had to do the personal work you realize that these tied into traumas from earlier in life then it started thinking i i started thinking okay well it wasn't like you were blowing out of proportion it was like directly in proportion of a trauma response correct you know because like looking at it from the adult child's perspective i mean like adult child or or child child the psychology is very, very similar because I mean, we've got that power dynamic of parent uh -huh. and offspring, right? Where part of it is the, the, the parent is almost seen like an authority figure. They're held to a higher standard, however you want to look at it. Uh -huh. Part of it is there's habits that get developed all through childhood that will drag into adulthood, you know, like for example, if, if you're my mom and I'm talking to you and I'm feeling unheard, I'm feeling frustrated, angry, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to say, mom, can you please take a moment and try to see things from my side? Can we have a rational discussion? No, I'm going to scream. I hate you. I'm going to storm out of the room. I'm going to go to my bedroom, slam the door, throw myself face down on the bed and like scream into a pillow kind of thing. There is an adult version of that for uh -huh. a lot of people that I've talked to. <laughs> and right. that adult version is you're not going to do to my kids what you did to me. Right. You know, it's not like for, from where I sit, it doesn't look like abandonment so much as like an act of self-preservation. Like, I don't even know where to start unpacking this stuff with somebody who's never going to hear me anyways. Somebody who's demonstrated my whole life that she is incapable of understanding me. Like, I don't care about your feelings in this moment. I care about my well-being. That's the only thing that matters to me. And I'm going to act in the best interests of that through a tactical retreat. I love my mom, but I can't deal with her right now is like, you know, what, what I've heard more often than not. Of course, there's always right. going to be those estranged adult children who are just dicks. Sorry, but it's true. Right. But assuming that we're just dealing with like a case of hurt, not addiction, mental illness, uh -huh. wanting to punish parents, you know, any of these other like things that would be less than healthy, let's say. Right. <laughs> assuming we're just dealing with like normal estrangement. 
I, I have a hard time believing that any kid's intention is to leave their parent feeling unloved, unwanted, unappreciated. Correct. I will tell you that that is, um, I mean, that's, that's what I hear from, from estranged adult children. I've, since the last episode aired, I've received numerous emails from adult kids who and, and the, the episode that I'm referring to is when I made mention that um, of reaching out to parents on behalf of the estranged adult children is I've had several people say, hey, I would love for you to be able to help me out with this. Because I've tried multiple times and I'm not getting anywhere. Right. The, the story, the story that happens. Right. I again leading up to estrangement it's not an overnight thing kids try and try and try and try and try and try until they're they're just exhausted and then estrangement is the only thing that's left on the table to be able to get the space that they need as you said the tactical retreat act of self-preservation right so um when i hear from those kids i always hear I want a relationship with my parent. I've always wanted a relationship with my parent, but it's not working for me. So the only option I had was to walk away. So it's not a, it, it, from that perspective, it's not an abandonment, as you said, but it is viewed that way from the parent's perspective. And I have not met a case yet where it hasn't been very similar to my own, that there, the reaction is from trauma. So if we look at the, the act of estranging, having been estranged, and I believe to a degree, the, the act of estranging is a form of trauma that happens because it's, I mean, it is a shock to the system. It blows for a parent. It blows your foundation just crumbles. It's like somebody has put dynamite to it. It just absolutely blows everything to smithereens because all the things that you thought you knew, all the things that you thought would be in your life suddenly disappear. And so from that perspective of trauma, the initiation of, of having been, or the realization of having been estranged brings up, if you've ever experienced trauma on any level at any other time in your life, this is, it's going to re-trigger that. It's going to trigger all, all of the things that have happened in your past. And that's what causes this shock that happens and this um, desperation and the running away with the stories that we can create in our head on why this happened, right? They've abandoned all the beliefs of things that may not necessarily be true. And that, to me, that's where this, this, the bulk of it stems from. Not everything, but I, I do think the bulk of it does, stems from that. And then you have kids that are left a, not understanding. 
I, I think estrangement's like a really weird kind of trauma, like in that it's very, very complex. It's not just a trauma. It's also a trauma response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of different things, like different pieces in motion, right? I mean, you've got like the, the hurt. I think, well, I'm not, I think, I know from speaking to a lot of estranged adult children, speaking to a few estranged uh, parents, there's a lot of blaming that goes on too, whether you're blaming mm -hmm. the other party, blaming yourself, yeah. which I find that the, the, the kids are usually inclined to point their fingers at the parents. And right. the parents, a lot of the time, are inclined to point the fingers at themselves, mm -hmm. while at the same time, also on some level, pointing fingers at, at the kids. It's like we're also right. busy trying to determine who's to blame. We don't take enough time to like sort things out. There's the lack of support, lack of understanding, lack of ability to communicate what it is, like how to define it, no resources. It just, and every time you think you've dealt with one thing, you tug one thread, another thing comes up, you know, like, okay. how do you fix a problem where you're, it, it, it's literally like trying to navigate a minefield, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it's one of those things too, where it's like that, that, that thing that I think drives people to try to get along is the one thing that makes it so fragile too, which is if I say the wrong thing, yes. then we're going to end up back there it's almost like we feel like we're obligated to the cycle of estrangement like this is going to happen again which i don't believe is necessarily true mm -hmm. but a lot of people most people i think would actually disagree with me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i get i hear that a lot from parents well if it's happened once we'll do it again you know that kind of thing which is why I talk about, I'm always talking about if we do our own inner work, if we work on ourselves, focus on ourselves, we, we can make a shift and that shift then has a ripple out effect. Can't help but happen, right? And we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know, but if we do our healing, we can have a pretty good idea that if we work on this and do our healing around this and what, and what lies beneath this and this being the estrangement, the chances of it reoccurring greatly diminish. I've, the, the, the cases I've had um, for successful reconciliation and to include my own, um, those who have successful reconciliations that sustain all have parents who are willing to dive in and do the work period and to recognize that it's not you don't dive in and do the work and then it's over and done with once you've reconciled you continue to do the work you continue to discover new and different things about yourself to continue to evolve and continue to evolve the compassion that you can have for your children as they walk the path that you once walked. Okay, this raises a question for, for, for me, and this is one that I hear fairly frequently. And I know you've mentioned it at least a couple of times when we've been having our behind the scenes conversations mm -hmm. <laughs> is like, 
what happens in a situation where the parent isn't willing to do all the hard work or at least doesn't appear to be doing the hard work. I, I don't even know if we've discussed this on the podcast before, but that's something that's been kind of stuck in my head the last couple of weeks. It's like when you're dealing with a parent who just seems content to not do anything substantial. Is there a guarantee then that the estrangement will continue? I generally see that, yes, the estrangement continues. Sometimes there are kids that will come back in um, because they are so desperate to be in relationship with their parent that they, you know, the parent will say, you know, I've changed. I see things from your perspective now and that type of thing. When in reality, they haven't really changed. They may have opened their mind to a couple of different things that they hadn't considered before um, and can, quote unquote, see things from a different perspective. But then they get around their kids and they fall back into their normal behavior because they haven't changed the behaviors that were the initiating issues in the estrangement. And then they go back into estrangement. So. I don't know. Let me ask you from, you know, from your perspective as an adult child, would you be reconciled with your mom? Had she not shown any, any changes? I don't think our relationship would have been as deep as it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't say for sure. I mean, this is all speculation at this point, but right. Um, if I can draw from experiences with other family relationships where there had been a period of estrangement and there was a reconnection, these other relationships have been successful within limited parameters, right? It's like with this one relative, it's like we had been very, very close. We were each other's go-to people, you know, and we realized after a period of a couple of years of estrangement that that was that type of relationship was off the table. We had become toxic to each other. And I just want to like take just like a brief detour from what I'm saying, like just talk about like toxic. Toxic doesn't mean you're dealing with a bad person. Mm-hmm. It just means that you're dealing with a person whose values, personality, whatever may not be compatible entirely with your ability to be the best you can be. So with this family member, we had realized we were toxic to each other. We just were about different things and we had committed mutually not, not to change to suit each other, but just to adjust the parameters of the relationship. Like, look, we don't have to be best friends, but is it okay if we pick up the phone and, and, and commit just to say hello and talk about the weather once a month for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. If there's a family event, like, can we see each other, shake hands, say hello? You know, can we just build on the basics and we'll, we'll figure out what our limits are and we'll just make sure not to push past them. You know, like taking things back to my mom, I was prepared for that type of outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason I was prepared is because I had done the work. And that's something that you and I have repeatedly said is like how important it is 
right. to work on self. I mean, even if nothing about the world around you has changed, the way you respond to that world certainly has changed. Absolutely. And that's the most important variable of all is you. Because you're right. living with your perspective, you're living with your feelings, your reactions. You know, if you can learn how to navigate this stuff, you know, like if you think in terms of, you know, when, when somebody's building a ship, they're not building a ship that's going to manipulate the ocean. <laughs> they're building a ship that can cut through the waves. It's not going to tip over that has a right. quality navigation <clears throat> system, you know? What a great analogy there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I'd like to go back for a second. Um, I do want to pick, pick up on that, but I do want to go back because you brought up a, a point that is, um, I hear often from parents about this word toxic. Mm. Um, and it generally, for the most part, just shuts, shuts a parent down. When they hear that word, they're like, oh, I'm toxic. Right. Again, looking at it from, from my perspective of, of the coach, um, through that lens of trauma, I'm, I'm recognizing that this is, this, you know, I'm not good enough. It's self-worth issues and, and so on and so forth kind of thing. But can you help, can you help us to understand why, because the definition that you just gave of toxic is not one that I think I've ever formally considered before. And I'd like to just dive into that a little bit on different definitions for different terms. And where does that come from? Generation? There's two words, there, there, there's two words I'm sick to death of hearing. One is toxic and the other is narcissist. Yes. They're both played out they're yeah. both conversation enders. Yes. They're both counterproductive to like any form of, of, of progress. I know that the way I look at toxicity will stick to that because narcissism, okay. I think that's a ball of wax for another day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but when I think in terms of toxicity, the, the, the reason I think I deviate from the way most people look at it is just because the way I navigate my own personal development is I give myself to the process. I'm like always open to just being bumped to being nudged. Right. And sometimes something will happen and it's like, maybe, maybe it's part of the way I communicate too. I prefer to communicate in analogies because I find it's analogies are easier for people to grasp than yes. cold, hard dictionary definition. So, I mean, instead of going to Oxford or Webster, I'll typically try to find something relatable and say, Hey, it's like this. Uh -huh. And then people can say, aha, uh -huh, I get it. Because otherwise we get lost in the weeds of clinical terms and, you Correct. know, but when you get used to speaking in analogies, describing in analogies, you get used to also then learning in analogies and observing in analogies. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a friend who was, um, who had a gluten intolerance and for her eating something with gluten. I mean, that was a trip to the hospital that was potentially life-threatening at the very least she was going to crap her pants, you know, mm -hmm. 
now gluten to her was very, very toxic in like the traditional dictionary sense. Like mm-hmm. I could eat gluten all day long and I'm fine. Right. Most people can like, by contrast, I'm lactose intolerant. I mean, milk to me is a toxic substance. Mm-hmm. Most people, they have no problem enjoying it and may even be healthy for them. And I think if we're dealing with different personalities, different people, it stands to reason that they would follow the same rules as the gluten or the lactose or any other number of food allergies. I mean, we can have personality allergies too. It's like, I get along great with you and I like to think you get along great with me, but there are people out there that think that we're both complete assholes. Right. Right. I'm not going to change who I am to suit the people that don't like me. I mean, like, I think part of like my, just to stay on topic with like answering your question, part of why I think I look at toxicity a little differently too, is, you know, one of the things that my dad had had always said when I was growing up was that no matter what you do, no matter how you are, there's going to be a certain number of people that are going to like you for it. A certain number of people that are going to dislike you for it and a certain number of people who don't care either way. Now, the numbers, the sizes of these groups are always unchanged. So, you know, it's like ties into that you can't please everybody all the time. Like, you know, I I can't even change the number of people I please. So I may as well be true to myself because at least like I like me, I'm functional, I'm working on me, I'm doing the stuff. And if you find that toxic, you know, like my, my sister, she's a Trump supporter. I'm Mm -hmm. like a bleeding heart liberal. I'm the exact opposite of that. I understand her reasons for buying into that stuff because it addresses insecurities that she's got. It makes her feel safe and powerful. Right. Right. And that's what we all want is to feel safe to a degree, you know, happy, healthy, well-adjusted. You find Mm -hmm. a group that supports these things for you well then cool that's a good group for you but like the 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 flavors of my needs while on the surface they might be the same as you i want to be happy healthy well adjusted what makes Mm -hmm. me happy is not what makes you happy right what makes me healthy you know like talking about the lactose thing it's like well glass of milk is good for your bones for me it it means i'm like leaking out both ends you know right right I'm, I'm not going to a dairy con- convention to celebrate the benefits of milk. I hate the shit, you know? Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and dealing, you know, with, with, with my mom, it's like to my mom, to, to me, my mom has become like the most valuable person in the world. I love her. I just like the, the thought of her passing someday soonish because she's old. I don't like that to my younger sister, who's been estranged for many years, my mother's the most toxic monster on, on the planet. So which of us is right? I would go so far as to say that we're both right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, as much as our opinions are very different, our experiences are different, whatever. Like, <laughs> so I, I don't like this idea that like, if somebody's branded as toxic, well, that means that they're horrible. If I say you're toxic, that's not a judgment on you. At least it shouldn't be. You shouldn't take it that way. I shouldn't send the message that way. This should be just an expression of like, look, whatever it is you bring to the table, like I, I can't figure out how to make that work for me. Right. So in other words, it's not that 
it is a judgment of the person and who the person is, but it reflects behaviors and attitudes and things along those lines and how they inter <clears throat> intersect with another person. Would that be? I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. My opinion may not be popular, but that is what I believe. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Um, and I, I think that we cross into very dangerous territory. Um, and I see this so much on social media, you know, about, especially about moms um, and parents being toxic. She's a toxic mom. I would much rather hear my mom, my mother-in-law has toxic traits or toxic behaviors because then it doesn't label the person as a person we're talking about behaviors attitudes and things like that so which a person can change right maybe maybe your mom wants to change and doesn't know maybe she would be open to changing if you, there could be a conversation about the behaviors versus the person I think a lot of this stuff also, I mean, like, I, I know just, it seems like every time we get on a topic, we start bouncing all over the place, but estrangement's weird that way. You know? Yes. Agreed. Because what pops into my head too, is like, is, is this person like actually, do they actually have toxic traits or are they operating within the parameters of their understanding of the relationship? Mm -hmm. Too often, I think that in, in any kind of relationship, we rely too heavily on this understanding that like these unspoken rules will be followed, but we've all got different ideas of what the unspoken rules are. Mm. We assume far too much. Right. What we should be doing is like abandon as many unspoken rules as possible and speak as many of them as we possibly can negotiate, communicate, figure out like, okay, what are the rules of engagement between Creed and AC? Like, you know, I, I think we've touched on this before too. Like just if, if, if I've never told my mom, like, look, when you say and do certain things, this is how I respond to it. I'm not saying you're wrong in doing it. I'm just saying that I haven't figured out what is motivating these, these responses for me. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm just asking for you to be sensitive to the process while I navigate and try to find the, the roots of these reactions. Right. It may turn out that like I'm reacting justifiably to you being intentionally nasty. Uh -huh. It could just as easily be that you're unintentionally stepping on something that has nothing to do with you. Right. But right. what I, what I don't have the right to do is to sit there and think, wow, my mom is really like, just, she doesn't know how to read the room. It's like, we're not mind readers. None of us is. Mm. And instead of like, just telling people read the room, why don't we just tell them what they're dealing with? Right. And this goes right. for kids and, and parents. Like, I, I know that the parents, like, there's a lot of pressure on you guys. Mm-hmm you know, with the estrangement, I think there should be more pressure on, on the, the, the kids, at least maybe more of the same kind of pressure. I mean, everybody's feeling it to some degree, but I think maybe we should like try like putting on each other's clothes once in a while and see like, okay, maybe this is where mom's coming from. Maybe this is where junior's coming from, whatever the case may be. Like 
we're never going to understand fully each other's perspectives. Right. But I think like taking a little bit of time to imagine, taking a little bit of time to explain where we're coming from, to help the other person imagine, that is infinitely valuable. I agree. Do you think that you could have done that though in the beginning of your estrangement from your mom before you really started doing some inner work on yourself? See, that's a two-pronged question. Had I done the work on self much earlier, then absolutely I, okay. I could have communicated these things and absolutely the estrangement could have been sidestepped. Right. The fact is I hadn't done the work, neither had she. Mm -hmm. And two unhealthy people who aren't communicating properly, it's, it, it's not a matter of like, if there's going to be problems, it's a question of when will the problems present? Right. How often will they present and how extreme will they be? Correct. Agreed. Agreed. So you and I have, uh, you know, I mean, we talk about this off air all the time about the importance of, of personal development work. Um, and without that, it is just almost impossible to navigate, to be able to come to the table together uh, on any level and have a civilized conversation to be able to venture into some of these topics and these categories and be able to be able to leave the assumptions outside, leave, leave the assumptions at the door as we come to the table to sit down and talk about, okay, well, what are we actually dealing with? What are the rules here? What can we do? What can we not do? What do we want? What do we not want? And without that personal work, I couldn't do it. There was no way. I mean, my parenting said that for decades that I wasn't willing to hear anybody else's side of the story other than my own. And it was only with the working on myself through therapy that I was able to figure that part out why I was the way that I was. And then I had the option to change or not. I mean, nobody's. I don't know of a therapist that says, oh, yes, if you come in here, you must change. And before you can leave, you must show that you've changed in, you know, A, B, C, and D ways. Um, that's, you know, we all have our choices. We don't have to do that. Um, but it's what I have found to be life-saving for relationships across the board. Across the board. And also, like, I think when you're approaching these complicated situations, you know, like you'd said something about like, well, I'm not going to come back until like you've demonstrated that you changed whatever. Mm -hmm. That is an unreasonable statement for anybody to make parent or child. Right. We are in control. If we're in control of anything, it's ourselves. It's never our environment or like the, the, the people in it. If we're going to set a boundary, um, the way I always describe it is a, a healthy boundary is a fence I build around me. Mm -hmm. An unhealthy boundary, an unreasonable boundary is a fence that I build around another person. Mm. I don't have the right to do that. Um, the other thing I just want to touch on like really, really quickly, this is like a shameless plug for something that is coming up through the estranged heart. For those people who aren't ready for therapy for whatever reason, or don't have access to it, or it's just not financially feasible, or you can't have these productive conversations with your mom, with your kids, 
the 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 new group that's going to be starting up is such a great opportunity for for people not of the same family to interact right. with the, the people that are like represent the the other camp of estrangement for estranged parents to talk to estranged adult children pick each other's brains learn a little bit and hopefully take that that knowledge that they're gaining back home where it belongs where they can in, invest it into the relationships that mean the most to them like I, I know I'm probably just repeating something that you said like lots of times already, but like, this is such a good thing. I have to say like, if this resource had been available to me, as I'm sure if it had been available to you at the time, yes. like, oh, wow. Like navigating the estrangement would have been so much easier knowing that not only is there like somebody out there to commiserate with me, but somebody that can answer the unanswerable questions. Right. So if you haven't right. done so already, there is an application process. Please email Creed, like do what needs to be done. Don't be shy. It's going to be a wonderful group of people, I'm sure. And like no nonsense is going to be tolerated. It's just going to be an environment where everybody can come out better for the experience. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that reminder, AC. Um, and you're right. It is. It. That's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal of the group is to have questions answered because i think on both sides you know people are asking questions that they can't ask their parent or their child and they're wanting questions answered and i think it'll be a fantastic way to to be able to support that um and well, it's kind again, of what you and me are doing here right I mean, exactly. we're asking each other questions yep. exactly exactly you don't have to be a podcast guest to have this conversation right. it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And um, both AC and I will be um, in that in that group um, and being able to moderate and answer questions and guide and direct um, and mentor through that. So I think it's going to be a fabulous thing. And I hope my hope for it is that it's also very healing and helping people to um, get unstuck and feel a little bit better about all sorts of different things. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good um, signing off point for today. Any last thoughts? Don't be afraid to talk to each other when things are going well. Mm. It's one of the things that um, a, a recent conversation with my mom had come up and we were, we were talking, it was a slightly different context, but she was talking in terms of husbands and wives, like how easy it is to shout the truth at each other in anger, mm -hmm. but how much more beneficial it is if you can speak the truth in love when everything is going well. I think that mm -hmm. applies to all of our relationships and within the context of this show, I mean, certainly like to the adult kids don't be afraid like no matter how unapproachable you think mom and dad are don't be afraid just to just to speak your truth in a non-accusatory way it's not their fault make sure they understand it's not their fault that you're feeling certain ways that you're responding to situations if you phrase it that way i guarantee they're going to be more receptive if you say you made me feel this right same goes for the parents. It's like, mm -hmm. I know your kids can be disappointing. I know they can be difficult to understanding. I know they can be jerks. You know, as, as kids, we, we just get used to just being inconsiderate of parents. 
please just, you know, even if there isn't a big ticket item on, on the table, don't be afraid to remind them, Hey, you know what? I I don't really like it when you talk to me like that, Mm -hmm. you know, just get in the habit of, of, of just talking and hopefully this ugly thing that is estrangement will be short lived for you. Maybe you can avoid it altogether. Anyways, that's, that's my parting shot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, AC. I agree. You know, we get much further as, as my grandmother used to say, right. I think many grandmothers used to say you get more, more flies with honey than vinegar, right. And as simple, simplistic as that is, um, I'm oftentimes reminding my clients about the power of kindness and the power of being able to ask a curious question without judgment. Mm. Um, and most people are, are open to that and will respond in kind um, versus, you know, making, making a statement in judgment, asking a question with curiosity and kindness is, can take us far in life. So thank you. This brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you were able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, perhaps entertaining becoming a guest on our show, or following us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. We can be found at facebook.com backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com.